Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Everything that has a beginning has a podcast. All right, nice. Very happy. Okay. That was a uh, double cross there, but yep. it was good. Uh, uh, told me he wasn't going to do that. Yeah, and we'll play the clip of me saying that I wasn't going to do it at the end of this episode. <laughs> Hello, I'm David Sims. Hi, my name is Griffin Claude Barrister Dauphin Newman. I didn't say my middle name. Well, what's your middle name? Lawrence. I knew it was L. I don't know if I ever known it was Lawrence. Yep, my mother's father's name. Oh, very cool. Uh, my mother had two fathers uh, and one mother because uh, I have a mangled family tree, so it's uh, Beresford and yeah, no, you. I, I, I think anyone that's, who goes to your IMDb page has had that delightful surprise of yeah, your full name. That's why I have a lot of names. Um, welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. It is a podcast. We talk about movies. And we talk about directors. We yes. talk about careers, filmographies. When yes. a, a uh, filmmaker, or in this case, a pair of filmmakers, mm. have so an early mean, success, big, big cultural sort of tidal wave film early on in their career, and they get the chance to keep on making crazy make, and crazy. Make stuff. things right out of their brains. We're talking about the Wachowskis. This podcast is called the Podchowski Casters. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the Matrix Revolutions today. Happy Passover. Let's go. Great. I like it. Happy Passover. By the time people listen, it's yeah, be it's like the middle of May, but whatever. Happy Passover, guys. We're recording all these Matrix episodes in one week because my schedule's stupid. Um, no, but it's fun. You know what I realized is like even a simpler way of describing the conceit of this podcast? Mm. It's sort of a career after a filmmaker becomes a brand. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. When there becomes an expectation Absolutely. of like, this oh, is. this is an X movie. Okay. Right. You know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When there are expectations on the film like that. Yeah, yeah. We mostly talk about directors who maybe a studio would even say like, hey, this is a movie from these people or this right. person. Uh, right. Know, like, and, and the audience will go, oh, or ugh. And even bigger <laughs> when they use their actual names rather than from the directors of. When they go yeah. like from the Wachowskis. Yeah, do they? I think with the Wachowskis, they may say from like the visionary creators of the Matrix trilogy. I, I think I feel like I've seen that in like one of the trailers for their future films. I, I, I feel maybe like, Jupiter Ascending had that. I feel like they do the thing where they cut it both ways, where they go from like the Wachowskis, the visionary right, creators right, right. of the Matrix. Yeah, you know, they're also they have the benefit of being named the Wachowskis. Yeah. like it's a pretty cool, unique yeah. name. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, this one we're talking about today is their fourth film. Which is, yeah, it's interesting to think that. Yeah. They made four They're films. They're not like Shyamalan, who we did last time, who, you know, he had a little bit of a running start. You know, he made a couple of very <laughs> yeah, small movies a, before he got... Boom! Their fourth movie was this movie, The Matrix Revolutions. Yeah. And uh, they made these... This was 2003, so they've been directing movies for, what are we saying here, like seven years. Yeah. yeah. And at this point in their career, 75% of their films have been Matrix movies. True. Yeah. They went deep into this. This was filmed simultaneously with Reloaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the previous, which had come out in May, and this came out in October. No, November fifth, two thousand and three. Okay. Uh, I was seventeen, going on eight. I was a senior in high school. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the shift, the fascinating shift for these movies, with these movies for me, is that Matrix Reloaded comes out uh, the end of my eighth grade year, mm-hmm. so it was like my last days in middle school. And then uh, now you're in high school. I'm in high school, so mm-hmm. I like there was a seismic shift within me, within you, within your life and between your perception. The six months that these two films were released, um, I just became a worse person. I became a, a horrible high schooler. Well, you know, but I was at a new school, you know, new friends, 
I mean, and even this speaks to it. Like, I saw Matrix Reloaded, like, opening day, opening night mm. with, like, all my best friends from middle school. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Matrix Revolutions, like, two weeks later yeah. on a Tuesday with a guy I kind of liked. This is Yeah, I saw this movie, certainly not opening. It was more of a, like... <sighs> All right, let's get around to this one. It definitely felt like doing my laundry. I it was like, I yes. have to do this. Yeah. I didn't see it at the Odeon Leicester Square in London, which is like this sort of primo biggest screen theater. It's like a basically like it's it's a one screen huge theater. I, I similarly saw Matrix Reloaded at the AMC Lincoln Square and then saw Revolutions uh, at, at, the, at the Regal Battery Park. Oh, I was just there for the yeah. Tribeca Film Festival at Cavernous Place. It's a ghost theater. It's a ghost theater. It's yeah. a weird, weird place. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I saw this at the Islington View. If it even still stands, I don't know if it does. Oh. Uh, anyway, I said, I saw it with my friend, uh, my best friend, who I probably saw all the Matrix movies with, at least the Reloaded. And then another kid, Michael Cross. Shout out Michael Cross. I'm sure he doesn't listen to this. He's my old high school friend who had not seen a Matrix movie. <laughs> I remember we sat down, I think just assuming, like, he at least saw the first one, I'm sure he's, you know, and he was like, yeah, so what are these movies about? And I was like, wait, have you not seen, like, a Matrix movie? He's like, nah. <laughs> so it was fun to watch it through his eyes. I've had two. I remember that. I've had two experiences like that. Uh, one, I, for the fourth running week, I'm, I'm going to reference the fact that I recently went to Universal Studios in Hollywood. <laughs> While well, you were not film, recording this podcast. Yeah, While well, you're waiting for Colleen Atwood to get off her ass and design you a super suit. I had a day in between costume fittings. <laughs> Whoa! Well, let me just <laughs> sip <laughs> some... Uh, yeah, all right, all right, go ahead. Milk of magnesia. Uh, <laughs> what is that? I, I don't know. It's like old people drink that, right? Yeah, someone recommended to me for helping with my IBS, and then I looked up and I realized it makes you poop more. It's like Right, a, it's like a, a folky kind of remedy for like being constipated. Yeah, okay. I'm not constipated. I have the opposite problem. Anyway, I'm, I'm like Crazy Eddie. I have a fire sale on poop all the time. Listen. Uh, listen. Listen. I, I went on the Minions ride. Minions Mayhem. Uh, yeah, I saw you tweeting about it. You, 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 you didn't love it. Well, I haven't seen any of the movies. Yeah, yeah you know, so so it was flying over your head. You're I, saying, I yeah, come on, but you know, they're little yellow guys. They worship tyrants and villains. Yeah, <laughs> and they speak in a made up uh, language. Sure, they got little goggles and we have little overalls. Yeah, and they go like banana. I'm just saying this That's ride. All was, I know about the this ride was pretty heady, right? Because I <laughs> I in the past. I, How I, long is it? It was pretty short because like Shrek 4D, which I you know I have talked about as a fucking sludge and a, and a bad movie. It's a bad movie. I thought that Shrek 4D replaced Terminator 2. It did not. Minions Mayhem replaced Terminator 2. Ooh, 3D even, Battle Cross Time. An even bigger insult, really. Bring back Terminator 3D 2, whatever the fuck it's well, called. No, because I'll say T2 3D Battle Cross Time is probably my sixth favorite movie of all time. Okay. And Shrek 4D blows. Mm -hmm. But the Minions ride. Okay, here's what I don't understand. Right. We should have Pilot on for this segment. We should. Our Pilot's friend Pilot, gonna, if she listens, is going to be very upset yeah. that we're talking about the Minions without her. This is the premise of the Minions ride. Mm. They're, they're going to turn you into Minions. Okay. They've developed technology. You'll, you'll become a Minion. Okay, so my question is, are the Minions a species, or are they, are they a, a, a mutation of humans? Do you know what I'm saying? Are, no, how, where do Minions come from? Are they born? How long do they live? Are they just us? And then the ride's half about that, and it's half about... One of Gr uh, the Gru's daughters trying to give him a birthday present. Okay, yeah. the ride—it's—I've never seen a ride this focused around a birthday present. I—I I don't do a lot of rides, so you could have told me Star Tours was about a birthday present, and I would have believed you. Oh, Star Tours doesn't fuck like that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Matrix Revolutions. We're back onto the Matrix Revolutions, the Matrix oh, yeah. Revolutions. The only other thing I did like that was I saw the only Born movie I've seen is the Jeremy Renner Born movie. Wait, is that true? Yeah, which made no you sense to me. Uh <laughs> 
That's crazy. So you've not, you haven't seen the first three. No. Are you gonna before Jason Bourne? Yeah, comes it out? looks really good. I saw the They're trailer. They're all good. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't seen them. It's yeah. a little Bourne miniseries. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Fine, God, sorry I said anything. They are pretty interesting in terms of how that was like the hottest shit for a couple of years in action movies. Yeah. And then it was like they just dropped it. They were like, no, 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 no more like shaky cam. Yeah. Ultra realistic stuff. Like, forget it, forget it. Well, forget even it. the trailer for the new James one. James Bond is like swerved away from that after swerving into it. Yeah. Aesthetically, the trailer for the new one looks more Michael Mann than than past Greengrass. Into it, man. Yeah. Into it. No, I think it looks really good, but it's mm-hmm. not like shaky cam. It's sort of the like hyper clear yeah. digital video. How much more shaky cam can we take, really? You know, I, I mean, I, do, the new trailer does have the same action beat as the uh, Supremacy, I think, where he jumps like from one window into another window. Yeah. But that's just a cute little hat tip, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's taking that beat now. Okay. The Matrix Revolution. Yeah. Now, so last week we talked Reloaded, mm-hmm. and I did my best to stick up for it. Uh, I think it's a really interesting movie. Uh, you you weren't very fond of it, but I think I did an okay job at least selling you on my perspective. You definitely. Even, if not converting you. you. You upped the movie's value in my eyes, which is a big accomplishment considering I had watched it like fucking 30 minutes before we started watching. Sure. Started right. recording you, you, the podcast. You were coming in hot. Right, and I had a pretty conclusive thought on where I stood with the film, and then you 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 warped it a little, you know, in a good way. Um, Sorry, I just got an email about uh, Jeff Richmond. Is that his name? The, uh, husband of Tina Fey? Yeah, the music guy. You going to interview him? Yeah, I'm going to interview him. Cool. Yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry. Um, I, uh, we, we were saying that, uh, you know, we both, you hated Reloaded when it came out, or you disliked it. Uh, disliked Reloaded. I think we were pretty similar where I was like, oh, that seems like it wasn't that good. It was kind of the Phantom Menace thing where you're like, yeah. oh, did I not like that? And I was looking at the reviews. Like, it was pretty well reviewed. It got like a 70-something in Rotten Tomatoes. And then later everyone decided. And pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. I think, you know, but it was that thing where everyone's coming out and there's just been so much hype and so much chatter about it and it was just pushed so aggressively yeah. that everyone was like, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, they did all the Matrix stuff. They were jumping around, so I guess it was okay. Yeah. I, like, I, I, and also, of course, it had a third part to go. So we were all thinking, like, ah, maybe part three will tie it all together. Right. And then I remember seeing part three and hating it. And I remember distinctly hating it. My my thought, like, oh, God, this is such a stupid line, but I'm just going to say it because I remember that I said this out loud, probably just because I wanted attention, right? Mm-hmm. The second Revolutions ends, I turned to the, my friend who I saw the movie with, and I said, what happened to you, Matrix, who used to be cool? Like, that's how I felt at the time. Like I, Good job. It was so stupid. You know what I'm saying? But that was like- Brutal. Yeah. Did he go, ooh, sick burn. You got griffined. Uh, you got griffed. Um, hadn't seen it since then, right? But I disliked mm-hmm. it so much that I sort of gave up on the franchise. I, uh, you know, um, degraded, uh, reloaded, you know, retroactively without ever watching it again. Uh huh. And then, yeah, okay, so went back into it yesterday. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when it was that I turned around on these movies. I think I, I, I honestly, it's weird because I can remember seeing them in the theater so clearly and being so disheartened by them. Yeah. A few years later, I guess I just rewatched them again. I think I saw Speed Racer mm-hmm. and felt contrary. You know, most people didn't like it, and I was like, no, this is good. Like, yeah. And then I was like, hmm, do I like all of their movies. Like, you know, I, I immediately was like, maybe I should check out those Matrix movies again and kind of just did a deep dive that I'm still in. I just did, I'm I'm deep. It is weird to think that Speed Racer's their fifth movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's that's why they're such good blank check candidates. That yeah. Like, that quickly they got to make that movie. 
Um, okay, so the point and is- also that after these movies and them not doing well, they were like, uh-huh, well, uh, we're just going like, <laughs> to go way crazier. Uh, but the point is, I, I'm trying to build up here, is that we both walked out of Matrix Revolutions not disliking the movie, but being irate about it. Like, actually being angry that the film totally, existed. Totally. And, like, personally, like, you did this to us, right? Yeah, and it's like, I thought you could, you know, fix this. I thought that, you know, maybe Reloaded was just, like- a lot of strands, and you were going to tie it all up. This movie is uh, really mean to the audience. Like, really, really cruel to the audience, I think. Okay, so I'm going to throw down my gauntlet right now. Okay. I okay. think this movie's better than Reloaded. Interesting. I don't, but I think uh, you could sell me on that. You could sell me on it. I was going into this expecting- I think I like Reloaded better, but I really waver between the two of them. Going into this rewatch, and I watched both of the films in one day, right? Because we're recording all these episodes so in one week. So you watch like Reloaded in the morning, Revolutions at night. Exactly. On Thursday, yeah, okay. Right. Okay. We, I watched Reloaded in the morning. We came in, we did a podcast, you went home. Late at night, you took in Revolution. Exactly, right? So I watched them very, very close together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a day that was all Matrix for me, essentially. Like, all I did yesterday was eat a bagel and stool so for the Matrix. The, you, 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 you ate a bagel, you watched the Matrix, you talked about the Matrix, you went home, you ate another bagel, you watched the Matrix. <laughs> that was my and day. now here you are to talk about the yeah, Matrix. it was all bagels and Matrix. It's funny, I just was watching uh, some screeners for Veep, uh, uh-huh. which is coming back this uh, Sunday, and... Um, uh, they were joking about the Matrix, and I was like, "Huh, Matrix jokes? You don't yeah. hear a lot of yeah, you know. yeah." Um, uh, what call it? Uh, so I, I, my thought on you know, before yesterday's Matrix Palooza day, I was like, with this rewatch, I think I'm probably gonna like Reloaded more, and hate Revolutions even more than I did previously. I was expecting to get a I big see. positive bump. I see. You on thought Reloaded. this one was going to be like, no, right? I Definitively, remember. Right, I was right. totally right on no, this. No, this movie's good too. Yeah, I you mean, can't really like one and hate the other. They they're very much a part of a whole. Here's an interesting theory I want to throw out, and it's I I vaguely disagree with what you just said. Okay, I think Revolutions almost works as like an alternate sequel to the first Matrix, rather than Reloaded. Interesting. I almost feel like the two movies are two different ways to tackle the idea of doing a sequel to this film. It's a good argument. I like it. And there were points where I was watching Revolutions where I was like, you could add in three lines of dialogue and this movie would make sense coming straight after the first Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Y- y- you know, you could you could sell me on this. I think what you would lose is like any definable role for Morpheus. Because <laughs> yes. he's barely in this movie. I mean, he's... In in that you see him, but he yeah. doesn't really do a single thing. Yeah, here's, you'd lose some stuff. Here, here's what I'll, my you would argu- lose a lot of my favorite stuff. So I'd be very I upset know. and well, sad, and I would cry. It's interesting that like um, Reloaded is like all uh, ideas. Sure, right? It's like ideas and then some big fight scenes. I guess so, but I, yeah, I disagree with you. But yeah, okay, I, I see what you're saying. But it, but it's a big idea movie. Yeah. This movie is like all plot. And it's all climax. It's like, we all yeah. right, everything's going to come to a close now. So, yeah, yeah we're going to do this big climax, this big climax, this big climax, and they're just going to flow right through each other. Yeah. But, like, Reloaded is, is like a conversation movie. Like, yeah. Reloaded is like my dinner with Andre with some kung fu in it, you know? Sounds great. Sounds I'm not saying great. this in a negative this way. This movie has a lot of talk, too, but it's all like, all right, so. Exactly. Explain it to me. <laughs> like, right. And the person's like, all right, here we go. I'm not saying this in a negative way or a positive way. I just mm. found this interesting, and I just want to I want to go on this on this little tangent here, okay? Yeah. So, like, this movie, the, the dialogue is very... Um, like like sort of just pragmatic, mm. right? There aren't a lot of conversations for the sake of conversation. They don't get in a, uh, these larger conversations of 
there's, free will and co- they're couple. The stuff with the Oracle is a little bit, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, but it's much more like, this is what you need to do, objective-based, building up to these sort of bigger points. Mm. I also think we talked in the Reloaded episode about like the innate uh, difficulties in making a sequel to The Matrix, because it's like, okay, you end the film at a point where Neo's perfect. So you have three characters who have no vulnerability anymore. True, right, right. Where are, you the, know? Where are the stakes? The yes. stakes are weird. He can do whatever he wants. And then this film immediately places Neo in like different situations that are alien to him. Yeah, I think it falls down a little bit in explaining how, just how he overcomes them. I agree. You know, it has, because yeah, it puts him in some, in some, in some real binds. But that's the interesting point is that like this film is like all movement. So you want to step back a few times and go like, wait, explain to me how this is happening. And then reloaded, you want them a few times to be like, hey, can we do some stuff instead of just like talking about it? Um, but I do think if, if they're just found out something interesting, I'm going to mention it in a second. Yeah. Go on. I think there's a world where as like an inversion of the first matrix, Mm -hmm. if this was the sequel, they said it was set like a year later and you had like three lines of dialogue at at not maybe more like eight lines of dialogue specifically placed at points to explain ideas that were covered in the reloaded Mm -hmm. in the reloaded, you know, in the reloaded. I think it could work as, like, The Matrix 2. And I actually think people would have liked this more as 2. I get what you're saying. Then they liked it as 3 or liked Reloaded as 2 because it would feel like this is the story continuation we were expecting. Um, I get what you're saying. No movie could live up to The Matrix. I mean, I think we've realized that now. Except for the the sequels to The Matrix, which are great. But you know what I'm saying. No, I get what you're saying from an audience perspective, but I think you would lose just the sticker for Reloaded, which I love. You would lose a lot of stuff. I mean, Reloaded is set mostly in The Matrix. This movie is mostly not. Yeah. Almost entirely not set in The Matrix. Which, if if you go- And The Matrix is, to me, the most fun part of this whole universe. Being in The Matrix. I love that idea. Right. The idea of being in a world that you can, you know, bend the rules of and interacting with things that are not human- Yes. But are human and like finding that line between those things. You know, these are computer programs, but they also seem to have evolved consciousness beyond that. And it's fun to explore that territory, which this movie does right at the start. And then it has a lot of stuff to do. So it kind of drops it. My counterpoint to you is it's talking about a movie where you're in a bind for the sequel because it's like, how do you make Neo interesting if he can do anything he wants in the Matrix? Yeah. I think placing him in the real world is like well, a course. good story decision. If you're going to make him more vulnerable, of course. That he has to stay there, you know? Yes. And to your point that like, you know, if you're you- talking like a person who wants movies to be entertaining in normal ways, what are you, crazy? <laughs> right. I think, I think maybe, and this is solving your Morpheus problem. Maybe you put Morpheus in the Matrix. In the Matrix, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it's the classic, like... Uh, yeah, you, you mix in a little reloaded stuff where it's like, in the Matrix, they have to go get the blop, you know, and so Morpheus right. has an adventure, like... Bah, 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 bah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Morpheus is getting the key master or whatever with Niobe, you know? Um, or I, I still, like, watching it this time, don't understand... Keymaker. I think you said Keymaster key again. I keep on fucking saying that, and he's my favorite character. <laughs> the Page Master. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, that's my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um... I do, uh, re-watching this film right now, right, stepping away from my, like, massive Griff rewrite of the entire idea of this franchise, right? Mm -hmm. On just a very simple level, I don't understand why they didn't make Morpheus the one leading the, like, APC mech suit. It's a good point. 
I that's a fair point because of course you then have these characters who you barely know don't really care about don't really care about although you know they they make some effort to at least be like charismatic but it's all very like straightforwardly cliched like you know oh the grizzled old captain and the young buck you know like helping him out you have this like cool like robot so war cool. that so goes cool. on for a really long time but so it's cool. like you're away you're less engaged in it because you're not with the characters who you've come to like follow for two or three mm-hmm. movies Meanwhile, the mission that they have Morpheus and Niobe on is like, okay, it's like mostly just them sitting in like a cockpit, you know? Yeah, uh, it's it's a problem. I mean, I think, and I mentioned it in the last episode, like it, Morpheus, that doesn't really work. And Trinity also doesn't get anything to do except, uh, spoiler alert, uh, get impaled by a bunch of spikes and die. Yeah. Um, I also think the, en- the entire thing with uh, uh, Bane in this film doesn't work at all if you've no. seen Reloaded. Yeah. But if you pretend that Reloaded doesn't exist and this is the second Matrix. Yeah, you would need at least a little bit of info on how Smith got into this guy's brain because I watched this with my girlfriend and yeah. she had seen Reloaded but years ago and was just like, how, how, how does he get in his, I don't understand. How did he get in the real world? How? Tell me how. And I was like, well, he's like in his brain. And she's like, no, 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 I need more than you saying that. I agree, but <laughs> what I find fascinating about this movie, which I'd totally forgotten, is they treat it as like a mystery of like who the fuck is Bane. Like mm. the scene where Bane expli- like goes like, Mr. Anderson, here we meet in the real world. There's literally four minutes of Neo being, being like, like, who it, are you? What is this? What is are you? Th- it's not possible. But, but he doesn't even right, say okay. it's not possible until four minutes. Well, There's four I don't minutes talk of about him Bane being until like, we're getting to the plot. Are okay, you finished let's get with the your let's thing? Let's get to the plot. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll cover more points as we go oh through story by right. story point, whatever. Okay, now, so, all right, great. Matrix Evolutions is a great movie. I love it. I all like right. it too. That's yeah, my yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think if I, it doesn't matter. Okay, so the movie begins with my favorite part of the movie. More, Neo did a thing. Uh, in the last movie, he, like, sent out an EMP from his hand. Yeah. He, like, used, like, real matrix powers in the real world. No one can understand how. And, and he, went, like, to, went like, into a coma. a coma. Yeah. And was sent to a train station called Mobile Avenue. Yeah. And Mobile is an anagram of limbo. Good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, I guess, just, it's kind of like a nothing place. It's, like, where programs are sent when they... Don't make sense. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's uh, this has my single favorite great, shot in the great movie. design. Oh this yeah, station. It's yeah. kind of like a subway station with like white tiles. So cool. Um, and it, it gets back to sort of the like great aesthetic stuff in the first Matrix, which is just like really clean, sparse environments, Absolutely. well Absolutely. shot. You know. Absolutely. Um, these sort of very like what, uh, uh, yeah. What's well, your favorite shot? My favorite shot in the entire film is Neo wakes up in the train platform, can't figure out where he is, wakes up, yells, screams. Gets on the tracks, runs, yeah, and there's and a wide shot of him of, just running in circles. Like he kind of, runs yeah, off one side, and then back, five yeah. seconds later, runs off the other, runs back in. Yeah. yeah, I love that, and I love that the track is just two rails. There's no like it's just like a little unreal. Like there's no power line. There's no third rail. There's oh, no. You I didn't know, even notice it's that. cool. Well, you, you're it's a big cool. train guy. We've established. I do. This. I'm a big train. You love guy. trains. I love trains. Yeah. So that's one reason this is this is a cool scene. Okay. It's up my alley. But yeah. also he, Neo meets. A lovely Indian couple uh-huh. uh, who are two programs. I love that they say what they are. He's like, I'm like a engineering subroutine, and this right. here's my wife. Like, uh, she, she's a security system. Yeah. And they are programs that made a baby, and the baby doesn't serve any purpose except that they wanted to make her. Yeah. Which is like the greatest fucking greatest sci-fi idea I've ever heard. I yeah, love it I so much. Yeah, I like that much. a lot. Yeah. Uh, the movie, you know, like both of these movies, spends a lot of time explaining that. 
Uh-huh, right. So the is, audience, yeah. I think, is just like, oh my god, like, is anyone gonna shoot any? Like, what is going on? Well, here's the other thing. The last movie ends with, like, the architect totally blowing our minds, and then a bunch of action happening. Right, saying, like, this is all fucking control and not real, and yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, what's the fallout of this situation gonna be? What does Neo <laughs> do in response? And then he wakes up in a train station and talks to a nice family. Which is, I mean, it's a classic <laughs> sequel trick where yeah. it's like, uh, well, sh- slow down, slow down, slow down, because, you know, yeah. we, we still have to be a movie, and, like, the good stuff will happen later, so... Uh, Which I like a lot. I mean, I, you know, I was sort of getting at this, like, uh, in the last episode, but I sort of believe the best way to make a sequel mm-hmm. is not to uh, necessarily take the next linear step in the story, mm-hmm. or to the escalation rule that most people apply, where it's like, gotta go bigger big, than big, you did big, last big, time. Right. You know, yeah, bring yeah, back yeah. all the things people no, liked, in some new, and more of it. I think you direction. go parallel. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the best sequels are parallel films where it's like, here's a different character or these characters in a different environment, you know, yeah. or a different angle, uh, like the Toy Story trilogy. Uh, anyway. It's a good call on the Toy Story trilogy as yeah. much as I don't love three, but two I agree for sure is a really good idea for a sequel. I think three is half retread, half really good new yeah. stuff, which sure. is why I think three is a great movie as opposed to uh, the best film ever made, um, which Toy Story one and two are tied for that title. <laughs> But Toy Story 2, yeah. No, it's like a really smart, like, let's just go sideways. Yeah, definitely. You know? Let's just and, explore different ideas. And so is this opening scene you're saying. Yes, I like this a lot. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and I almost was like, because I remember early on- I when wish the, it was longer and solved in a more interesting way. Exactly. That's my exact complaint. Yeah, I, I think re- that's fair. When early rumors were coming out about the Matrix sequels, and I was like, we're getting two of them? What are they? I remember reading somewhere, probably fucking ain't it cool- like, oh, Matrix 2 is about, like, you know, Neo becoming the one, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Matrix 3 is Neo gets locked out of the real world. Yeah. I remember hearing something where it was, like, Neo which, gets right, locked which is out. Which what happens, yeah. Right, and I was like, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Like, once again... It should have gone on for longer. You want to put the guy back on his heels, you know? Like, like you want to have him a little disoriented mm-hmm. as a character if he's all-powerful. And I, I think it's a cool environment. I like these new characters. Not crazy about the performance from the little girl. Oh, I like her. Interesting. I, I like her. I think she's a little child actory. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I'm into her. I love the couple, though. Yeah, uh, Bernard White, who plays Ramachandra, who's like the the one who does most of the talking. Yeah. The uh, the 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 quote unquote father of this quote unquote mm-hmm. daughter, um, is played by Bernard White. Uh, he's he was in Captain America: The Winter Soldier recently. He's like around. What are you playing? Remember how there's like the sort of the council of, you know, the oh, UN yeah, type yeah, council. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like a pretty. With know? Jenny Agutter and uh, who was it? Powers Booth? Well, Powers Booth is in the Avengers. He wasn't in Winter Soldier. But yeah, Jenny Agutter, right. you know, yeah, those that, guys. That, yeah, those people. Okay. And you know, he's just one of those actors who's been on every single television show that ever happened. He's good. I, I think he's really good in this. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's the challenge of you have a lot of information to dump and you're playing a computer program. Can you give it warmth and can you give it personality and make yeah. it emotionally engaging? And I think he really does. I you do. You feel I, the guy. I think that it's a, if you think deep about it, it's this brilliant thing where he is emotional. He has, mm-hmm. he has like obvious love for his uh, creation, his yeah. daughter. But he also speaks with like a, a pretty direct kind of logical sort of tone. Yeah, I think it's a really good performance. I also th- I also just love the the way he talks to Neo. He's like, "Well, I'm a computer program," and Neo reacts as if he's like, "Oh, uh, no, I mean, of course, I'm not I'm not one to judge. You know, computer programs can have children. I mean, you know, nothing. There's anything wrong, wrong with that. that. Exactly. It's very, <laughs> like Keanu Reeves is pretty good in this scene. He doesn't. Yeah. Keanu Reeves gets way less to do in this movie than he does in uh, Reloaded. 
agree, but I think he's really good in I it. I think he's good too. It's just like he's he gets all this and yeah. then he's freed and almost immediately just sitting blind in a chair for like the last half of the movie. Yes. Which so, is what it is. So they set up that they made a deal with the Oracle because they're the Merovingian's gonna want to clear yeah, so this okay, so I'll try to explain yeah. it. So this this train station is part of the Merovingians like old backwoods empire in the Matrix where mm-hmm. like he hides and it's controlled by a program called the Train Man, who is played by Bruce Spence. Who, who we talked Tion about Tion Midon. I know that. I was I thought I was gonna be the one to have to very build this exciting. up. Tion Midon in Revenge of the Sith, but he also was the gyrocopter pilot in the Road Warrior. And you you announced this to us on our like on a Revenge of the Sith episode, and I think me and the, whoever the guest was were like, uh oh, okay. I believe for I think it was Gethard was the guest. Like yeah. four consecutive episodes, whoever we had on as the guest, I'd be like, But do you realize that's the gyrocopter <laughs> pilot? And they'd go like, What who fucking cares? Big tall, weird Australian dude. Uh uh, you know, pretty good as the train man. Kind of a little uh, hacky, like, oh, I'm a wit hobo, you know, but he's sort of- I love him. He's fun. There he's was fun. a stat that year where he was, 2003, he was in this film. He played the train keeper or whatever. The train man. The train man. Uh, What's his name? He played uh, Chum, the shark oh, in, in Finding uh, in Nemo. Finding Nemo, one of the sidekick Bruce's sharks. Lackeys, yeah. yeah. And then he was deleted from uh, Return of the King- he was oh, going to play right. the mouth of Sauron. This is this is right, and I've seen that scene. It's a deleted it, it scene, the extended edition, because yeah, right. the eye of Sauron's the thing, but they no, needed Sauron to speak, so he comes out in a horse, and he's just like a mouth. And Guys, whatever. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship, masterpiece. But the Two I- Towers, good. Return of the King, horrible. The, I, the idea was he was in like three yeah, right. humongous and movies in one year. It was that moment, like we've said before, yeah. it was just Australian, New Zealand. You know, right. the, the Australasia was he just was like, let's right make place. all the movies here. But he was like the highest grossing actor of that sure. year. That's Bruce cute. Spence had like a big 2003. Yeah. And then, of course, Revenge of the Sith, too. So he notched off a lot of franchises. Yeah, two years later. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. So yeah, the Merovingian controls this train station. Fuck, I hate the Merovingian. Can I just say he's how much a problem I hate in this, this one. He's not good in the second one, and he's worse in this one. Yeah, I just get bummed out anytime they even mention him. The Merovingian. Like, they call the him f- the Frenchman a lot. Yeah, I know. I think which, because his name is like no fun to say. Yeah, but the Frenchman just feels goofy. It's like, well, he's pretty goofy. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you know, so parallel to Neo stuck in the you know uh, Morpheus and Trinity get they they like uh, they run back over to the uh, the Merovingians like lair. He's in like a bondage club. And let's not forget, fucking, the movie opens and they got Neo on the table and they're talking about how he's still in the coma. And then we got this fucker Bane, right? And they're like, we don't know what's going on. They rescued him from like another ship that crashed. And they're like, he's got self-inflicted wounds. What's up with this? Yep. And Neo and Trinity, uh, Neo, uh, Trinity and Morpheus rather are like, I don't know. Let's let's go have some fun. Uh, yeah, they get a call from Seraph, right. who is the guardian for the Oracle, and yep. they all go. The three of them go to this club they confront the Merovingian and this is like the one classic Matrix sequence in the movie where they put on cool jackets and they have a bunch of guns and yeah, a bunch of people groping titties and pretty, they, they have fun well there's also a fun little action sequence where people are like jumping from the ceiling to the floor yeah. which is cool yeah, nice yeah, with yeah, the yeah. columns you yeah. know pretty sexy little action sequence but then we, we go to like another like rave orgy yeah, type thing yeah totally and I mean yeah whatever there, it looks I mean the costumes are nice yeah, I'll say that there's a real good shot of a crowd scene and there are like several groups of people where it's like one person standing behind another person and just tweaking their nipples <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, you know, Monica Bellucci's there. She's just sort of sitting there. Yeah, her and Merovingian look exactly the same, except they're, they're red in, now. They're in red. <sighs> uh, anyway, and the Merovingian, once again, is like, ah, oh, Frenchman, I am the Frenchman. Hello, how are you doing? And da, 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 da. He just talks for like five minutes. Yeah. How'd you feel about this, Ben? 
Because um, Ben, Ben, FYI, and we'll, yes, you can introduce me. Wait, Ben's here? Yeah, Ben's hey. here. Producer uh, Ben? Ben watched yeah, yeah. this one and not reloaded. Producer Ben? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Poet Laureate? Yep. The Haas? Hi. The Tiebreaker? That's me. Birthday Benny? Sometimes. Mr. Positive? Uh, yeah, today, sure. Uh, what, what, I said Tiebreaker, I said Poet Laureate. Uh, The Fuckmaster? <laughs> yeah. Producer Ben Kenobi? Peeper? The Peeper? Peeps. Uh, uh Kylo Ben? Mm-hmm. Ben I trauma? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wait, okay. wait, 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 wait. But are you Professor Crispin? Um No, no, no. Oh good. I almost almost okay, good. Good, Well, good, good, hello Fenno. Hello Fenno. Hello. Uh, so Fenno. Ben, you saw this one and not reloaded. Well, I, I had seen, seen reloaded, reloaded years ago. Right. But uh yeah, I this is the first time I saw this film ever. Um ever. So I just just I mean, well we can ask you other things too, but I just wanted to quickly get your impression of just this scene with the Merovingian monologuing. Oh, he's fucking gross. Agreed. <laughs> he's so gross. <laughs> he's a bummer. Lambert Wilson. That's the actor. Yeah. And it's also like you totally at the same time though see what what happens coming. Like it's so clear that he's just going to like be annoying and then someone's going to put a gun on his head. <laughs> it's very true because it's like it almost seems like he's going to set up the movie because he's like, ah, there's one thing that I would like to get Neo back, and that is the eyes of the Oracle, and you must give them to me. And then you're like, that's not going to happen. And, right. And you're just like, I, I, don't, I feel on, like this dude. movie's got to wrap it up. I don't know if yeah. we're going to have a whole, like, let's steal the eyes of the Oracle heist yeah. adventure. Wait, how does that work? He's going to take her <laughs> eyes and put it in his head? That's crazy. He's going to take her eyes off. So um, it, does, it does feel like an unreasonably big ass. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. dude, are you serious? The eye. All right. Can so we Trinity- go back to this Frenchman thing too? Because in the second movie, they say Merovingian so much. And in this movie, everyone just calls him the Frenchman. Well, so maybe the, that was a note they got or something from the reaction where it's like, nobody knows what the fuck a Merovingian is. Stop saying it. Also, it's a gross word that makes people feel uncomfortable every time you say it. So uh, Trinity, <laughs> Trinity literally says, like, I don't have time for this shit, points a gun at his head. Yeah. And Monica Bellucci is like, oh, she'll do it. She loves him. Oh, my, my, my. Yeah, and Monica Bellucci is like, is like coming at the suggestion. Like, she's just like, she's just a fucking it's rebel. Someone underserved character. But, but am I wrong? I mean, I might be being I, uh, crass about it, but like the idea, she seems to be getting off on the fact that like shit's happening. She likes passion. She likes, she likes passion. Up. She likes passion. You know, in, yeah. in the second movie too, she likes it when people are emotional because the Merovingians are lax for emotion except for, I guess, like spite. <laughs> like He doesn't like, he doesn't like people. Smug? Is smugness <laughs> arrogance and emotion or is it mental state? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, so the Merovingians, so whatever. And then they get Neo from the train station. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's resolved way too quickly. Yeah, it almost feels like they didn't know where to put the break between these two movies. Yeah. They picked the wrong spot, but I get that you can't then have this fucking train adventure in the second movie. Should they have done it a little earlier, or should they have made the train thing longer, like you say, which I think might have worked. Keep it going and, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let each movie yeah, breathe a little. I get you, but I think what happened, I don't know, but I, my guess is what happened is, like, they made The Matrix and then they sort of came back together and, like, thought of a bunch of stuff they would want to do in sequel and had a lot of stuff and said, well, we'd love to do two movies. And they had, what? A blank check. And so, there's thus, you know, green light. But what's weird about it for me is that their plan included, like, such a finite end. You know, that they were like, yeah. well, let's set our own goalposts that we have to hit, and then we just have to fit everything That's we have in between these two. Why I love goals. these sequels is because they tell a complete story. Sure. Um, 
but we we forgot to say so the idea is that the the little girl program would be deleted because she hasn't served a purpose so they made a deal with the Merovingian that she can go to stay with the Oracle yeah that she can be smuggled into the Matrix by and and be in the company of the Oracle and she'll be safe there so they're trying to get her on the ta- train mm-hmm. Neo tries to sneak on yeah there's a lot of concepts here at work where it's basically just like the way the Matrix works is evolving in a lot of ways that the machines can't keep up with, right? Mm, right. So you've got this thing where programs are becoming so self-aware that they have bondage clubs and train stations and they're making babies. Like, what? Like, that's a lot of and they're stuff. they're tweaking nipples. I mean, that's advanced. Woo! Do you Woo! know what I'm saying? <laughs> to understand nipple play, that's because adv- that's, that's a delicate art form. Then over in the real world, you yeah. have Neo, who is like the same glitch, this one that always happens, but he seems a little more evolved, a little more... Uh, unpredictable. Yeah, I like the idea that they're sort of getting at, which is like all stories are the same story being told over and over again, but this time it's a little different. It's evolving every single time a little bit. Hey, guys, could we mention... the Oracle's a different person. Okay. Well, no, we're going to get to the Oracle in a second. But I have, I, I have a lot say. of stuff to say about that. Yeah, no, no, no. Ben, we're going to talk about that for a while. Oh, Don't so worry great. about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this, all right. But oh, yeah, I had another point, and I totally forgot it. Fuck. The, the, the Neo. The story's changing. The, the, we're the advancing. Thing, but there's another thing that's really cool. Oh, Smith. Right. Yes. Obviously. Right. That's the other thing. Agent Smith has turned into a, basically a computer virus and is like overwriting all of their software. Mm-hmm. He got like freed from his programming by Neo, yeah. killing him. And instead of just going away, he's like, you know, they can't deal with him either. Mm-hmm. It's like as Neo turns more good and heroic, there's like this remainder of the equation, as they say, like that's like the opposite. Bad. Yeah. Okay. The next thing is the Oracle. Okay. Sati goes to the Oracle. Yeah. She makes some cookies. Yeah. With her. They make cookies together. Neo shows up. And she chain smokes. She does all the things we remember the Oracle doing from the first movie, mm-hmm. right? Behaviorally, environmentally, it's like exactly the same as the Oracle scene, except now it's a new actress. Yeah. Now, Gloria Stewart died. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. She's played by Mary Alice. I think this was a humongous mistake. Interesting. I don't at all. I agree. I also think it was Th- a mistake. Th- this is the mistake I think they made, right? Uh-huh. She shows up. They go like, who's this? I'm the Oracle. You're not the Oracle. Right. Uh, Look, this is a conversation with Trinity and Morpheus as yeah. well. I, I think she, she's introduced a little earlier. Yeah. The idea is that the file got corrupted and she had to sort of evolve and she's like, you might recognize parts of me, but it's not actual, other parts of me. not to be, because this yeah, is no, not explained explain in the it, movie. Please explain it, because it's not explained. This, yeah. the, the trade that the Indian couple, the Indian program couple made with the yeah. Merovingian was to her outer shell. And the Merovingian actually references this in his really boring thing where he says like, oh, the Oracle has a new shell. Too bad. So- the Oracle sacrificed part of her like programming to like let Sati into the Matrix, and that's why she looks different. Now, obviously, they had to write this on the fly because the fucking actress died. So I think, you know, it's a lot of... I understand that. Yeah. Here's what I would have done. Yeah. Hired a remarkably different actor. Yeah, I know. I know I, what you're saying. I think hiring someone of like the same age yeah. and the same sort of energy level, yeah. someone who feels like they're playing, like they, Mary Alice feels like someone else who auditioned for the Oracle, right? Sure, against, sure. Against Gloria Foster, right? right? right. Yeah. She's very, very similar. Yeah. I think if the idea is going to be like, okay, someone died. We couldn't control that. This isn't a creative decision, right? Yeah. This is a necessity. Who are you going to replace we need a new actor? Though? I would have gotten like a fucking 13-year-old Japanese boy. No, no. That would have been awful. I'm saying I, I would have hated I'm that. I'm not saying literally that. I'm mm-hmm. saying I would have just gotten, I would have gotten Dennis Franz to play it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can't replace a nice old uh, 
black uh, veteran of the theater world with uh, Dennis Franz. My point is that they- would have been good, though. They (laughs) would have liked Franz. They have to replace them, right? Yeah. And with this idea, like, I mean, this thing that keeps on coming up Mm -hmm. in the Wachowskis' work of, like, this sort of transience of the human spirit and the bodies being the outer shell, you know, and all of this Mm -hmm. perception versus internal life and all this sort of stuff. I think that scene, if they're going to be like, you look different. Well, in the reality of movies, recastings happen all the time, right? Mm. In fucking Dark Knight, like, Rachel Dawes shows up and she's Maggie Gyllenhaal. No one's like, you look a lot more like Maggie Gyllenhaal than Katie Holmes, you know? And, like, Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard could not look or sound any more different. I get you. Of course recasting. In this happen. movie, it feels like it's just a minor recasting. Yeah. And then they treat it like they're stunned by her. And it's well, just she's some, a different person. But she's playing it so similarly. If the idea is... it's uh, all, See, here's where I disagree with you. Always, I think she's playing it 100% differently. That's where I think I we think disagree. I think it's a very same similar looking performance. Same type. You know, same physical type I, I mean, age. Uh, they, yeah, on a superficial level, they're, they're both old African-American women, right? Yeah, right. But, but I actually think their physical resemblance is less than the similarity in their performance. I think the performances are very, very similar. Yeah, I don't agree at all. And I think you need, like, a totally different actor to come in and throw something different on. Point made. We get it. I get it. I don't agree with you. The other part of it is, as we've talked about, I fucking love Gloria Foster's performance in the yeah. first two movies, and it bums me out every time because I feel like I'm getting the dollar store version of it. Wow, and I'm I sure, so disagree with I you. I think Mary Alice is good. She's great in this movie. So good. You should watch it again. I think she's strong. Over and over. But I think, like, like I, have. I, think, <laughs> I think it's a strong performance. Mm-hmm. I think Gloria Foster is just this weird, like, just fucking bullseye. Time and place, everything gelled. She's perfect. You know? So good. And I think, like, it doesn't benefit her, Mary Alice, and her Mm -hmm. performance to be playing off of, like, something Mm -hmm. else. You know? Can I make my argument? Thank you. Please. Yeah. One, my guess is they were like, this happened in the middle of filming, and they're like, we cannot change the tone of this you know of the writing of this performance enough to match like a totally different person it makes more sense for us to kind of get a similar like person she's a grandmotherly figure we need a grandmotherly figure you know so you cast Dennis Franz and go play it like you're a grandmother stuck in Dennis Franz's body no because that would kill the movie why doesn't Dennis Franz work more look I love it having just rewatched a bunch of De Palma movies I love Dennis Franz he stopped he yeah. legit like stopped making movies. Yeah, I don't it's know why. weird. Like, or TV. City Angels, and then he like d- d- pieced. I mean, you know, I mean, even Dennis Franz could not benefit from the patriarchy enough to become a movie star. <laughs> you know, I love Dennis Franz, but <laughs> it's, it's not like they were going to line up a bunch of Dennis Franz vehicles. I just think <laughs> the idea is that. <laughs> Even Dennis Franz couldn't benefit enough from the patriarchy. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad you thought that was funny. <laughs> you're you're distracting me from my point about Mary. She Dennis just has Franz, to be. Yeah. Sim- she has to be similar, in my opinion. It has to be like this continued theme of evolution, where it's like, yeah, she's different, but like not like radically different. It's just like she's a little more hard bitten. She's a little quieter. She's a little sadder. Like, but that doesn't mean. Like, you know, it's like a completely different person. I, I fundamentally disagree on this point. We're yeah. never going to be able to convince each That's other fine. otherwise. So let's move on. But I I also think Mary Alice is good. She's in one of she's my good. she's in one of my 10 favorite movies ever. So that helps. Which is that? To Sleep With Anchor by Charles Burnett, which is like oh, one of the best movies. Ever I've never made. seen that. You should check it out because it's great. I've seen The Killer Sheep. Sure. Sure. Of course. Uh, it was like Charles Burnett's only like vaguely mainstream film. Okay. With Danny Glover. Yes, I know which film you're talking about. Yes. Uh, it's basically about like Satan comes to a house right. and won't leave. Like, but in the form of a really annoying guy. Played by the gloves. Danny Gloves. You put a glove on it. 
Uh, such a good movie. So you're telling me great movie. The glove does fit in that film. It, the glove fits, and you must acquit. Well, yeah, must not acquit. Uh, whatever. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so the Oracle. There's this scene. Uh, you know, half an hour into the movie, maybe a little more. Yeah. Where Agent Smith comes for the Oracle. Uh huh. Uh, and he absorbs her. He refers to her as mother. Yep. But yep. I, I take that as sort of like she's the mother of all, not like... She's the mother of the Matrix. Right. Like, you know, that, that the architect referred to her as such. Yeah, so that's the idea, I think. It's not like she raised Agent Smith. It's not like... <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> Lil' Smith. Lil' Smith. Um, would be cute to do a Matrix Babies. It's <laughs> like I a like... little Agent Smith in a little suit with little sunglasses. Why did they stop that format of like, let's just make a cartoon <laughs> just show? Just Babies. Yeah, Babies was so fun. Um, well, they should do an X-Men spinoff with the X-Babies. Yeah, they really should. I can't believe they haven't done that yet. With Disney owning, they still have X-Men TV rights, I think. Oh, Disney owns the X-Men TV rights? No, it's Fox, because it used to be on Fox Kids. I No, uh. Fox, but, the, uh, ugh, fuck. Disney bought Fox Kids, because Fox oh, Kids spun off of Fox, which is why ABC Family used to be right, Fox to be Family Fox. became right, Freeform. Right, 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 right. Um, Fox is doing a new live-action Legion TV show, and they had to yeah. make a deal with Disney to get the rights to do that, even though they have the movie rights. We're, Griffin's, all, we're all excited for Legion yeah. on FX. Although they, they got a good cast. They did. Dan Stevens? Yeah, I don't know why this, movie, this and, show and exists. The, uh, there are like two other really good people in it, right? Yeah, they're, I, I, we're, we're not going to look it up right and now. And it's Noah Hawley. Uh, yeah, we did Fargo. Yeah, I I don't love the Fargo show. I know personally. you don't, and I do. Uh, X Babies uh, w- would be a great. Let's uh, do it, X Babies, and X-Babies. it's fucking canon. It's canon, it is, David. It's yeah, pro- executive produced by Aub- Mojo, Aubrey Plaza, Hamish Linklater, Katie Aselton, like great actors. Yeah, and Dan, Dan Stevens is a star of Tomorrow. Love that guy. Yeah, love. I would love a Bond. Uh, a Stevens Bond, if you're going to cast a white dude. I would, too. The other one that was thrown out is uh, he. I think he could actually uh, do Snake Plissken well if they ever do the Escape from New York remake that they should not do. They shouldn't do it. They should But, shouldn't. you know, gun to your head. Kind of like with Alden Ehrenreich about the Han Solo movie where I'm like, don't do that. But, you know, he's not a bad idea if you have to do it. Because he's different enough that he's not just going to do an impression. Yeah, he's not going to do yeah. the dollar store also, Mary he Alice version. has the Han Solo vibe. Shut up. Of like, you know, he's kind of a little guy. Like, he's not like a huge imposing guy. That's you my know? favorite thing about Alden is is that like, Love uh, Alden. yeah, he he's uh, he's like my size. Yeah. And yeah, I like yeah. the idea of like Harrison Ford was always it's like six foot three or whatever. Mm. And if you're going to make a young Han Solo movie, yeah, make him scrappy, make him an underdog. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's a great choice. I hope they fucking put a ring on it and cast yeah, him. Yeah, they haven't. Uh, and made it official well, yet. By the time we? this podcast airs, hopefully we all know that and we're living in a better world where Alden Ehrenreich is officially Han Solo. I don't know if the world where they're making a Han Solo prequel is a better world, but at least with Alden it's better. I agree with that. We're already living in a world where they're I making know. a Han Solo it's prequel. It's a bad world. The world in which he's playing Han Solo is better than the world we're currently we in. We agree. Great. I we love agree. you. I love you too. Okay, let's move on. Uh, so, all right. So we've got all the Oracle stuff and there's, I just, you know, I think this is a scene where at 17 years old, I was like, oh, enough with this movie, which is when uh, Smith absorbs the Oracle. Yeah. And then he goes like, ha, 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 ha. You know, like it, 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 Hugo even really has fun with an evil laugh. Hugo's slicing some honey baked in this scene. I, oh boy, is he. Yeah. He's bathing in the river of ham. He's not Why dipping a toe. he? I right, don't like, hold it against him. I think, again, there is like a story idea to this, which is like Smith is like 
rapidly changing from like the sort of restrained thing that we remember from the first yeah. movie. Like his sunglasses are different. His suit changes color, which is very hard to tell because it's all like greeny gray. Yep. Uh, did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> and and he's like talking a little like when he talks to Sati, especially he yeah. it almost like talks to her like he's a normal person. He's like, ah, I'm not so bad. But this is the thing I was getting at last week. If the idea of Smith was changing, I would love it if his look changes more dramatically. Like <laughs> I love it hard. if Smith shows up in a graphic tee and like Dockers. <laughs> he shows up in Ed Hardy. He's got pen, penny loafers. <laughs> He's got a puka shell necklace. So back over, back over. You just like saying puka. Yeah, it's fun. So back over to the real world, where yeah. we will now mostly be stuck. One thing I like is that someone looks at like the Matrix and the code looks all weird, and they're like, what's wrong with the Matrix? And we're like, we don't know. <laughs> like Smith's just going around causing mayhem yeah. off screen. Here's another thing, okay? So the film starts... Digital rain, the mm-hmm. matrix reloaded. Sure. Like we go start. into green code, and then we go in further, and we're in an orange zone. Yes, and we're seeing a dragon spirals from I the opening shot of this film. Right, it's not even a shot from the opening, like the the credit sequence. They're establishing a visual language of like, okay, rather than the sort of fractally squared off hard edges digital rain thing, here's this sort of spirally. Yeah, you're seeing. Do you know what dragon spirals are? No. Which it's basically like a mathematics, uh, like a chaos theory thing where it's like you make one line, then you make three lines, you know, like mathematically it keeps evolving until it looks like a completely different thing. Okay, that's cool. It is cool. Anyway, David's showing it to me right now. You can Google yeah, it. Yeah, you, you guys should look it up. It's in, I think it's in the Jurassic Park book where like chapter one has a little line and like chapter two has like the, the code keeps it. It's cool. <sighs> that's great. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's orange and it's it's uh, it's orange instead of gnarly green. and sort of yeah cool. weird yeah. spirally gnarly yeah stuff yeah and then Neo's gonna see that stuff later right that's like his viewpoint on the on the world if he looks into the code of the Matrix and he sees green code when he looks into the code of the real world he sees that now does do you think that means to imply that the real world is also a program? No. Now, I think that became somewhat of a popular conspiracy theory or like read on the, like one of those fan theory type things where it's like, oh, it's all a, it's all the Matrix. That was my read, but I'll also I say- I think also people, a lot of people thought that at the end of Reloaded. Exactly. Right. That was the thing. At the end of Reloaded, I thought that. So when right. Revolution because starts- he, he, Neo does like a, a Neo thing. Right. And it's like, oh, wait, maybe we're still in the Matrix. Right. So when Dream within a dream. Right. Which I thought was a cool, a cool area. It's like, uh-huh. not only has this thing been happening for- for hundreds of thousands of years, this keeps repeating itself. Or thousands, mm-hmm. not hundreds of thousands. Hundreds, years. whatever. But yeah. it keeps repeating itself over and over again. But also, even that level, like this is so deep, you have, you're never going to get to the bottom of it, you right. know? But I don't think that's what they were going for. I think the reveal that Neo is the one, like, of one of many, that's what they're going for. Right. You know, that's the, that's the sort of big twist. To establish a whole new, like... Visual language. Matrix Two. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little confusing, especially after a movie where we explain a lot. It's confusing and not explained. Yeah, is the best way to put it. Yeah. Well, let's get to what let's get to because we're right there. So yeah. you know, there's a lot of fighting over like we should take this ship there and this ship there, and the audience is like, what? what? I don't even know. And they start interrogating Bane. They're like, why is this guy cut they on have a a cuts on his Bane arms? And Bane's like, I he wakes up. I don't know. I'm doing a kind of an Agent Smith voice, but not as good as your impression. He not would as not as make impression. Mad TV. I mean, he wouldn't even get a call back. Which you're already. I mean. You're in talks. Can I say that? Are we allowed to say that? You're in. T- you're in the. You're in the. The pool. They put a pin in you. And they put a pin in me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what were we gonna say? Um, oh, so Bane. Yeah, Bane. Bane's a problem. They're trying to deal with him. He off. He like in a little side scene. He stabs a nice lady with red hair. Not nice of him. Now we we talk about. I feel like the Bane thing is this movie trying to have it both ways, right? 
I think they just thought like we need we need an action beat because the, these movies are very dependent on action beats. Maybe yeah. almost too. You know, both yeah. of them are. Like the Wachowskis are obviously like big ideas, big ideas, big ideas, and then we'll have an action scene. Right. Yeah. Ooh. But we talked about last week of like whether or not we thought bringing Smith back was the right idea, right? Yeah. Um, because it makes the world feel. So a little you're saying small. Bane is them being like we brought back Smith, but we didn't. Yeah, and the way they play this, it's like so confusing because this it takes Neo so long to figure it out, and the conversation goes on for so long that I'm watching it going, are they betting that we haven't figured out that he's Smith yet? But you already know they, he has no, to be Smith. we know he's Smith. Because they fucking end no, the last movie Smith. on him. They we put such Smith. a fine point on him. No, you have six months more, to stew on what's it. he going to do, right? I think this is the least interesting thing about this movie, though. So I do, too, yeah. but I almost like the idea of like, if there wasn't the film in between, if this was what happened at the beginning of Reloaded or if Revolutions was too, I almost like the idea of like Smith is dead and then the film starts out and there's a new weird guy and you're like, what? And it's like Smith has transcended this. He went to the spirit of someone else and now the villain is Smith in a new form. But right. the film is so doing. They wanted Hugo Weaving. They're doing so yeah. many things with Smith at the same time. It's like yeah, I agree. The main stuff is yeah. uh, is a waste of time and it's also just a sort of story mechanic to blind Neo. Yeah. So, okay, so just to rush through the story part quickly. They have the scene. They that, split that scene into drives two me ships. crazy. They split into two Mr. ships. Mr. Anderson. What? Niobe gives. Do you gives, recognize me? Yes, what? we talked about it. Jesus. Niobe gives Neo and Trinity what? her ship. It can't be. <laughs> it's not possible. I'm going to respond to everything you're saying as if I'm Neo in that scene. And then everyone else goes off in another ship. But how? Um, I don't know. And uh, then so Neo and Trinity are going to go to the machine city to try and make, a pe- make peace with the machines. Impossible. That's what they say. <laughs> but Bane has stowed away on that ship. He almost, he attacks Trinity, but really? doesn't kill her. Yes. And then he fights Neo and blinds him with like an electrical, I don't know, cord. No, I won't believe it. Well, at this point, Neo definitely believes it <laughs> because he is being, he is, he can see him. They like sear the flesh over his eyes. Yeah, it looks gross. It looks Real gross. Real gross. But I mean, also, and this is what I was talking about earlier where I said this movie's really kind of almost mean to the audience. Mm-hmm. Who watching at this point is like, you, they, are you kidding? The hero guy? Yeah. He's blind and sad now? And he's got beautiful eyes. Let us stare Very nice them. eyes. Very yeah, nice he's eyes. He's a good looking guy. Like that, that's your move is, is yeah. you're gonna, okay. And pretty early on in the film. Pretty too. early. Pretty. Like the first, it's pretty much the end of the first pretty act. Pretty early on. Jesus. And so, and, and Neo, while blind, he can still see this. The idea, I think, is that it like elevates his sort of consciousness to some new level where he can see into the code of the real world. He becomes Matrix Daredevil. Yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> and he sees uh, Smith, like <laughs> sunglasses and all, yeah. in in like this guy's consciousness, and he, he smashes his head open. Yeah, it's weird that the sunglasses are that much a part of his hey, being. Hey, man, he really <laughs> he loves those sunglasses. And and so like, now it's like, okay, so here's where we are with the movie. Neo and Trinity, Neo now blind, are going to try and fly to the machine city. Mm-hmm. Uh, Niobe... Um, Morpheus, Link, uh, you know, the Harold Perrineau character, a bunch of schmoes. Which, once again, it's like, God, if that had just been Dozer, I understand why it's they didn't tank. want to bring him Good back. Lord, three fuck, episodes Jesus in a Christ, row. I keep on thinking I got it right. <laughs> if that had just been Tank, it would be so much easier to be invested in that just because, like, it's it's so... They're putting like, so much... I on. like him. I love, I love Harold I love Perrineau as an actor. I just wish Perrineau was in the first one, almost. Like, maybe that would make it all yeah, better. Yeah, that would be better. Uh, the, uh, one thing I want to point out... Um, He's really small. What are you looking up? Something for Merchandise Spotlight. We'll get to it. Yeah. 
Um, uh, there's an actor called, I think his name is Lechi Holm. Do you remember this guy? No. Okay, he's he's not in it much. He's in, He has basically one scene. He plays a character called, oh uh, boy, uh, uh, Sparks. Okay. And there's a scene where he's like sitting in the other ship and he's like, they like fire up the engine. And he's like, can you clean the windshields too? He's kind of like a little funny. Do you remember this guy? Not really, yeah. For some reason, this kid, who has kind of a distinct profile, got thrown into discussion for casting of the Joker for the Dark Knight. Now, it's, it was, and it was always hard to tell that uh, it, whether or not this was real or like maybe his agent had thrown him into the mix, like somehow had leaked. But it would always be like, in consideration for the Joker, and it would be like five names you'd heard of, and then, and then this fucker. Home. Yeah. And it was like, it's just, and the only thing anyone knew him was, it was like, well, he's kind of funny in like one scene of the Matrix Revolutions. Can you show me a picture of this guy? Jeez, that's so weird. He's like an Australian actor. Anyway, just wanted to mention yeah, him. now I recognize Because I just remember him from this brief, like, you know, internet spasm, sort of in the glory old days, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was weird. It was weird. Very strange. People used to be like, well, maybe they'll cast him. He's an interesting, like, ooh, out of the... And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It, it was one of those things that took on a life of its own. It was very hard to tell if it was real. It was yeah. ever real. Yeah. Anyway. So he's on that other ship. That other ship's going back to Zion to maybe rescue Zion. Okay. Right? That's the story now. Yeah. So let's now let's move over to Zion. Zion's last stand, which also makes sense as a plot for The Matrix 2. Totally. You know, like, Matrix 1 is about, like, fucking taking down... The Matrix. Matrix 1 is about fucking Zion. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, right. No, I'm saying as as a direct sequel, it makes more sense than as the third film. Yeah, well, I think their argument is like, well, in Matrix 2, you meet meet Zion, and you get to like it or whatever. I don't know if that's true, but they're they're trying to make you like it. (laughs) Take a stroll. My roommate Alec pointed this out to me last night. He was like, what's with Zion? It's all either young people, like teens to 20s, and then old people. Yeah. Where are the middle-aged people of Zion? Where are they? Yeah. Also, their clothes are all dirty. <laughs> they don't have any laundry bags. What's going on? Everybody's dirty. <laughs> the poet laureate. Himself. Oh, boy. Boy, are they dirty people. Yeah. Very dirty. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, yeah, well, whatever. And then in third, you, you now you're invested in Zion and you want it defended. Now, I don't think that works. I think you're I like, Zion so. Schmion. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit? And it also feels like the time we spend in Zion, the second way feels like like you're spending too much time you're at like, a rest. Get the fuck out of here! You're at, Boring. A, you're on a road trip and you spend like two hours at a rest stop, and yeah. you're like, "Can we get back on the road?" Yeah, you're like at the Albany bus station, like right. trying to transfer somewhere. Because nothing interesting happens in Zion. Whereas in this movie, they give us like this big action sequence yeah. that takes place with characters we don't care about. It, that's the problem. Now, yeah. I, I would say, especially rewatching this, I remember mm. when I saw it the first time in theaters, I was like, "That was boring," and I hated how cliched the old captain was. It's very unengaging. I for, think for a robot fight, which I love robots. No, I think it's good. I now like it a lot. More importantly, I think it looks great. Yeah, it looks fine. You think it just looks fine? I think it looks really good compared to what things look like now. Yeah, yeah. I th- you're yeah. saying like the actual quality of the effects and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, 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 totally. I think it looks good. I just think like the uh, Wachowskis are really underrated as action directors at this point. They are. They I do just, very clear stuff. I like, agree. The sequence doesn't, I, I don't know. So wait, why do you like this movie better than Reloaded? You don't seem very hot on any of it. Here, here's the thing. I intellectually respect Reloaded more. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I think as a piece of like storytelling, this is more engaging and more satisfying. But you don't like if you don't like this sequence, then I'm not sure because like, well, that's a lot of the movie. I, the Neo stuff kind of works for me in this film. I <laughs> like Neo's story in this film. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, so to at least just briefly, the Zion defense. Yeah, they're in I these look, mech suits. I don't love the mech guns. suits, but I also I fucking love robots. Any movie that has robots think, gets I, knocked up. I think the mech suits are real cool. I mean, it's it's anime influenced, much like a lot of their stuff. Like this is right out of like a lot of anime series where it's like you know guys in mecha suit. Yeah, I also want to see someone. I feel like like all the mech suits we've had in films in like American live action movies. Have all had like a pretty similar design. I want someone to come in with like a new fucking crazy form of mech suit. You know, was there what? What before this are you thinking of? The power loader and aliens. Great stuff. And Love after it. this, the the APC no, thing. No, of course. And, right after this, after Avatar. This. Yeah, I just think they're they're always like sort of a similar sort of like shape and build. I think they're cool in this. I like their guns and I like the chains of uh, uh, bullets that they're. Yeah. They're, I, I like how they look. I like how they move around. Yeah. I like the squids a lot. Yeah, the Sentinels are cool. And I like what they look like as like weird, like flowing rivers of, you know, metal. Babyface Edmonds. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, kind you want to get to Babyface? Well, we'll get there. But I agree with you that the, the downside is it's like Captain Mifune and the kid, those yeah, characters I mean, you don't know. The kid fucking sucks. He the kid sucks. is like out of like a Johnny Tsunami. He's like a Johnny Tsunami side character. Clayton Watson is the actor. I you haven't heard that name again for a reason. First of all, they make a big point of him being 16. He's clearly 29. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So it's like a 29-year-old trying to play a kid. He's now 39. Right, right. So, I like, he was, like, 27 or whatever. Yeah, he was in his mid-20s. Right. right. And, like, the way he plays 10 years younger than he is is just by going, like, gee whiz, Mr. Mifune. Like, he's, like, do you know what I'm saying? It's, like, like a real, like, Eddie Haskell performance. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Nathaniel Lees, who's, like, a Samoan actor who plays Captain Mifune, He's like kind of fun and cool to look at. He's got a great face. Got a great face. He's got cool presence. Uh, nice, uh, nice like accent. You know, just like he's finding it. But you're just like, well, but who is this I guy? Spent you know? time with this and, guy. And it's very just hacky, grizzled like army captain. He might as well have a cigar. Now, how in, cool would it be if Morpheus was fucking in that? I suit, agree with leading that. That's the a troops, good call. especially after Reloaded. Especially, is everyone being like, I don't know if we should trust Morpheus? Especially since I guess for the story it would make a little less sense. Like, but Harry Lennox, who doesn't like Morpheus, could just be like, just go get in a fucking you know APC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was just about to say though Mifune doesn't I will say Stephen Lang does the same bit in Avatar yes. like I'm a grizzled old cigar chump and he in nails it very similar yeah. <laughs> he's great Stephen so Lang's great it can in work Avatar. it can yeah. work in like the same suit with the chain of bullets and everything and we also there's like a weird side mission of uh what's her name a known uh, gay's character z, z. Yeah. and this like and a, super hot butch lady yeah some new friend <laughs> I don't know of her. who she is but she's cool some like new switch you know <laughs> no. You can't replace you can't. Switch. There'll only never one be switch. another Switch. There'll never be another Switch. Time to place. I just, I'm desperately looking for a Switch anywhere I can find one. Oh, yeah. Um, but they have like a side mission of trying to like defend the Yeah, they're the making gates. some homemade bombs and then they have like a rocket launcher. But we also haven't really spent enough time with her. Well, also like the, the and this is something my friend, our friend David Ehrlich yes. talks about a lot, which is like sort of the, the, uh, the location needs to make sense and the geography of yes. Zion needs to make sense. And they're like attacking the drills and it's not clear. It's like, are we above? Okay. It's like, very where nebulous. is this? Yeah. yeah. And it's it never makes any sense. They just have to shoot the missiles at some drills. 
Yeah, I like I pretty much like all the non-Zion stuff in this movie. I think it all I think the Zion stuff looks good. I like the designs of most of the things. I don't love it, but like B minus like f- fun enough, like the but non-Zion I mean, stuff, yeah. There's it's uh, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. And, yeah. you know, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. And then you're cutting to Morpheus and Niobe piloting their hovercraft like through the sewer system to try and get back to Zion. And that also goes on too long. And it just feels like pick your battles. Like, if like, you want us to care about what Morpheus is doing and you want us to care about Zion... Put them together. Put them together, you know? And it's like, it's it's a lot It's a lot of time wasted on something that, like, the hovercraft eventually gets there. They, like, detonate their EMP and take out a bunch of squids. And then the reaction is like, yeah, great. More are coming. So, you know, who cares? Like, And we're like, well, just watch 20 minutes of them fucking flying through the sewers in a race against time to get there. Yeah, there's also this thing of like Naoba gets a lot more screen time in this movie. I think she I think Jada's great. Love I, Jada. I love Jada. And let's just quick Jada corner here. Like the, Chris Rock made that bit at the Oscars about like, you know, that's uh, like saying like you're not going to go to the Super Bowl when no one asked you to go or whatever. Perfectly good joke directed maybe at the wrong person. I I like the idea of that joke. Yeah. But the problem of it is I think she Jada should have been nominated. Is one of the most underrated actresses. Absolutely. Like, uh, agreed that she wasn't even in the Oscar conversation, so her protesting is kind of silly. But on the other hand, the fact that she wasn't even in the Oscar conversation is the entire reason why the Oscars are fucked up right now. Like, sh- I think she's should have been nominated for Collateral. Mm-hmm. I think she's so fucking good in that movie. Uh, I just yeah, I'm just gonna run down a few great Jadas. Magic Mike XXL is uh, I mean incredible I exceptional performance. Uh, yeah. Set it off, which yeah. have you ever seen that movie? Yes. It's a terrific movie. She's maybe the best part. Queen Latifah is incredible in it yeah. too. But great, cool like heist movie from the '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is she good in? She's really good in uh, Bamboozled. Yeah, where she plays like the sort of militant sister of the main of the Damon Wayans character. Mm-hmm. Love that performance. She's great in Ali. Yeah. And has like electric chemistry with Will Smith. Yeah, surprisingly. Menace to Society. Yeah, right. That was the start of her career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. I love her in Collateral, like you say. And, you know, then she basically kind of stopped making movies. Yeah. She did She's... Hawthorne for like six years. No, that was uh, two years. That was it. Really? That wasn't that wasn't a long runner. Felt I mean, like six years. Since Collateral, she's done the, uh, the Madagascar movies. Right. She did XXL oh. and she did Rain Over Me. She's like the third lead in that movie. Oh, she's good in that. Yeah. She is. It's an underwritten part, but she's good in it. Uh, let us not forget her metal band, Wicked Wisdom. Yeah, okay, Ben, yes, thank you. Also, of she was in Gotham of course. for a year. Of Fish Mooney. As Fish Mooney. But yeah, uh, you I just, know about just, Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, shredding new metal band, right? I, I vaguely have, I'm aware that she is in a new metal she's band. She's the front woman for a new metal band <laughs> under an alias, right? Good Doesn't she her. use a different name? Yeah, and she yeah. wears a dread wig? Yeah, it's a Wilford Brimley is her, uh, no, no. <laughs> she dresses like Rob Zombie. She's That's, got like dread wig and you can't see her face and she wears like UFO pants. Do you think that was an influence by the Wachowskis or that's why they first uh, started to be friends? Great question. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, I just want to say me and my brother. Wicked <laughs> wisdom. That's a great pull, Ben. That is- uh, her name in the band is uh, Pocket Honor. Thank you. Well, I knew that well. was worth digging up. Yeah, she looks cool. <laughs> she looks like Rob Zombie, right? Yeah, I mean, she basically just looks like a slightly crazier Jada Pinkett Smith, but you know. 
But like a Jada Pickett Smith who's like fucking down to hacky sack. She also directed a movie called The Human Contract uh, starring Jason Clark and Paz Vega that I've literally never heard of. Really? She yeah. wrote and directed it in Jesus 2008. Christ. I just want to say me and my brother saw Rain Over Me in theaters. Yeah. It's a weird movie. Very weird. Uh, it's about a 9-11 uh, survivor. You know, uh, his family was killed in 9-11 who plays the, the PS2 game Shadow of the Colossus a lot. And he, re- he reacts and to the tragedy by becoming Tim Burton visually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he said, but it's incredible how much of the movie is about him playing the game Shadow, Shadow of the, the Colossus. Colossus. And then there's a court scene at the end where BJ Novak is a lawyer who's trying to do something bad to him. I don't even know what, maybe take a kid from him or something. I, I believe, and Don something. Sutherland is the judge, is that right? This is what I'm getting to. Okay, and Don okay. Cheadle is the lawyer yeah. representing, he's his friend, he's representing Adam Sandler. Yeah. Donald Sutherland, out of nowhere, plays the judge. Yeah. Not the judge of judging the judge right. is the judge. I'm the judge. <laughs> but he's the judge. And there's a scene. I'm Donald Sutherland. I'm the judge. <laughs> and it's Sutherland at his most like bushy eyebrowed, you know, Here's like you know, it's Adam Sandler. Come on, come on, come on, man, come on, run with my story. <laughs> He's Tim Burton. That's the end of it. That's the end of it. That's the end okay. of it. Okay, but you know what I mean when Sutherland yes. really eyebrows out. Yeah. You know, when he really lets them grow out. <laughs> the pussy willows? <laughs> yeah. Those Sutherland pussy willows? And he really, like, droops. He's like, oh, let's, let's, let's have my face droop this time. Yeah. And, like, in the scene, he turns on BJ Novak and, like, starts to side with Adam Sandler, I guess. Like, uh-huh. you know, he's, like, he's finding a lot of sympathy in this argument that's yeah. being made. And BJ Novak says something, and he just turns to him and he goes, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> And me and my brother would do that to each other for years. It is bonkers. I hit myself. It's in, like out of nowhere. I hit myself in the face with my microphone, laughing at that. <laughs> Shut I was up. so taken aback by that. I hit myself in the tooth. Anyway, so JD, we love Jada Pinkett Smith. She's great. Do you um, have a note on Niobe on her performance as Niobe? Well, okay. So you know, this franchise starts becoming a lot about love. Mm. Like the mm-hmm. the Neo Trinity relationship becomes like a big fulcrum for these films to work emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. Two and three, mm-hmm. and then the idea for three is like let's put Morpheus in a very specific mission where he spends a lot of one on one time with Niobe, sitting next to each other. All four of these characters, Neo Trinity, uh, Morpheus, and Niobe. and Niobe, are so fucking stoic and emotionally <laughs> reserved. Look, the real world is a sad place. Impenetrable, you know? Yes. So the idea is supposed to be like, oh, here's two people who are in love and will sacrifice anything. Here are two people who can't admit how they feel for right, each that's, other. That's the, that's the thing with Morpheus and Niobe, right, is that they're, they're, too, they're too busy and I guess. I'm not a, I don't really care. I like the computer program. I don't either. I don't either. That's what I'm <laughs> I saying. Mean, I it's think like, Jade is cool. I do too. And I, I just, like that in this movie, she just takes her shirt off and she's in like her kind of undershirt and she's just like working hard. She's I, just I like, just think it's a little bit of a mal- miscalculation to be like, the thing we should do with Morpheus is make his entire subplot about spending time with Niobe. Now, I'll say it's nice to see the man take a back seat for a change, I guess. But yeah. it's not like Niobe gets a lot. No. Like, in comparison to him, she just is doing the action, which is driving the car, essentially. You know, she's she's piloting this uh, hover Yeah, they're, car. like, both splitting one sleeve of saltines for dinner. Do you know what I'm saying? And she gets a little, few, a few more saltines. She gets more saltines, but it's like, come on, this isn't a fucking dinner. What are you talking about? Good call. Thank you. So, <laughs> like, like it, saltines. A so, sleeve of saltines. So, uh, so that's Zion. Yeah. Moving back over to Neo and Trinity. Mm-hmm. They journey to the machine city. The Neo's, logic of the, again, geography, we don't understand nope, this. Nope. Neo's super blind. We don't understand where the city is in relation to Zion. And he's just like kind of that away. Yeah. And so Trinity's like, I trust you, we're gonna go that away. Because he's seen the orange. 
they go to the machine city and there's like this attack of squids and Neo just like puts his hand out and blows them all up. But there's still so many of them. There's a lot of them. So, so they many. go up above the clouds. Yeah, Griffin's making a face that is a fair face to make. And basically you emerge from the clouds and it's like a renaissance painting for yeah. one second. It's like fluffy golden clouds and a sunshine and like it's like this is what the world is like below this above the scorched sky. No, is the is the implication that because the sun is up, right? It's like a beautiful full sun. Do, 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 do. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is day. Is the implication that the robots created so much? This is a serious no, no, question. Humans did this. Humans did this. That we create so much pollution that we can't see the sun no, anymore. No, no, it's a bio weapon. We de- it's in the animatrix, so we'll get to it. Okay. We detonated like a nano bomb into the clouds. And just accelerated pollution to such an extent that, like, the clouds never go away. Now we have super clouds. We're just blanketed in robot clouds, basically. Okay. It's cloud two hypercloud. Exactly. Call back. You know what? You know what? You really got it. Thank you. Um, Good yeah, callback. Yeah, I mean, this moment. Uh, yeah, well, the real problem is Trini goes, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're and just also, like, okay, Neo, all right. Neo can't see it because he's fucking blind. Everything already looks like the sun to him. It's a I fair mean, point. Neo's vision is like when you stare it's at the Trinity, sun for a while and you close your eyes and you see the remnants. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah. like what he can see now. Well, that's Trinity's little special moment before the ship crashes and she gets impaled on a bunch of tendrils. Yeah, they all puncture. I totally forgotten this had happened, by the way. I remember, Trinity like, dies? Yeah. You just don't remember that she dies. I remember so little well, of this movie. Well, that's a yeah. real implication. That's just a real indictment of how uh, crappy your story is in this movie. Yeah. You don't even remember what it is and that she it ends with her death. She essentially just becomes Neo's chauffeur for most of this movie because yep. he's blind. He's she, blind. I mean, right. he needs a chauffeur. Yeah. He says, I'm, you're going to need to fly. Like, yeah, it's okay. Now driving Miss Daisy? Now you're the, the yeah, blind guy Neo in the Neo is back. Miss yeah. Daisy. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hulk? Is that his name? Hulk? Hulk? What's... Morgan Freeman's name. Oh, I don't know. Hulk, Hulk, I think, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Okay. We should do 10 episodes on Driving Miss Daisy. (laughs) Should we, though? (laughs) Potting Miss Cassidy. Talk talk about a movie that has been forgotten. (laughs) Like, uh, it does not discussed much anymore. Well, I don't think it's forgotten. I think everyone was like, let's pretend. We really pulled an Armin Tomazarian on that movie. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like it slipped away. We were like, let's pretend that we never saw that. I uh, just got an email about a high school four, high school musical four open audition. If you're interested, what's the age range they're looking for? I don't know. I already deleted it. I can't sing or dance. Do you think that's relevant? Um, possibly. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So Trinity dies. It sucks. Yeah, it blows. It it it's a long death scene. She has like a twenty minute speech. She basically like starts with like, "I have a dream," you know, like it's just <laughs> like you're like, "Oh, we're gonna be here for a while." Can I say something though? Uh, I think. Her performance here is very good. She's a good actress. This is what I like about it. Good actress. She's not overplaying the death. No. A lot of people, when they're doing death scenes, play the pain. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> and she's just playing that she's weak. It's like she's falling asleep. It's, it's leaving her. You know, the, the the fluids are leaving her. Exactly. And it's just she's very sedated. The whole thing's in an actual whisper, and she's really focused. She, you know, she knows she has a little time left, and she wants to say what she has to say. Uh, I I think she does a really good job with this. It goes on. Very, very long. Quite long. I like stood up, went to the bathroom, came back because I've seen this movie a million yeah. times and it was still going on. And I was like, wow, it's wow. It's really that long. I okay. wish I had saved my pretzels. I ate them all during the burly. Should have gotten more pretzels. Burly brawl. Yeah, I should have. Yeah. So Trinity's dead. And I think the real reason it's a bummer is it just doesn't seem to serve any purpose, larger purpose in the story. No, she could have stayed alive. I mean, she could have stayed alive. Could not. Die. I mean, I guess it would have been hard for her to get back after Neo's end in this movie. 
ask one of the sentinels. Be like, hey, can I? Hey, can I hitch a ride? You got like a squid I can uh, mount? She rides on the back like Falcor. <laughs> Sounds good, actually. Yeah. Matrix 4. Right? Squid Falcor. Yeah. And then Neo goes to the Machine City. Uh-huh. And some squids, a lot of squids come out of some holes in a machine. Yeah, they're all going to attack him. And then he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. He's like, I've, I just want to say something. Wait, 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 wait. And so, you know, as you do, these uh. squids form the shape of a, you know, skyscraper-sized baby face. Yes. Wait, what What size? Skyscraper-sized. Very big. Huge, you could say. <laughs> like a huge baby face. The scale face. is large. I love it. I was very so, excited. So, Ben, were you kind of like a little sleepy for this whole movie and then you really perked up for this scene two hours in? Yeah, because I also, I didn't like that it was just like the same sentinels. Yeah, like they didn't mix too it much up. Squids, too many yeah. squids. It was boring. But then they put them all together, <laughs> made a giant baby faced sentinel thing, and I was all yes, aboard. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, what what can you say? Uh, you hear that, uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski? Ben thanks you for your work, for your contributions to big cinema. I appreciated it in a big, big way. Yeah. Big. When when we release a book under our blank check press, our oh, imprint, we should, we right? Should. Ben's book, the collected you know film criticism of Ben Hosley, will just be called Big Cinema, right? That'll be his big <laughs> his big contribution to the landscape of film criticism is Big Cinema. Absolutely. The collected writings of Ben Hosley. Oh boy. I'm Not re- big enough. <laughs> it's good. That's Ben's complaint. Bigger! Ben's complaint is that the book's not like coffee table size. Yeah, he needs a coffee table book. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm hitting a, I'm hitting a wall. Yeah, actually, uh, we have our other record. Oh, yeah? Okay, so we're near the end of the movie. Yeah, so yeah. Let's, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. let's just power through. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They talk to the baby. They talk to the baby, the baby, and he says to the baby, like, you've got a problem on your hands, such as Agent Smith. He's basically ruined the Matrix. Yeah. I mean, one assumes that's not good for the humans, you know, that he's overwriting. We have a common enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let's team up. And they're like, well, what do you want? And he says, you know, peace. I want peace between humans and machines. Yeah. And so they plug him into the Matrix in quite a scene. That's cool. Uh, yeah, they all these tendrils kind of hook up to him, and then there's this final tendril that like snakes up, like to to go into his back of his neck. Yeah. And when this happened, my friend Michael Cross leaned over to me and he said, "Major anal play," because this <laughs> looks like it's going to go into his butt. It like like yeah. sort of, it sort of like flirtily like teases <laughs> up his body, yeah. and he was like pretty convinced this was just going to jack into his ass. Yeah, it would have been cool. Uh, so and then Smith uh, Neo goes into the Matrix. Yeah. To fight Agent Smith, who is now every person yeah. in the Matrix. But most of them don't want to fight. Most of them just want to watch. Uh, 99.9% of them, one could say. It's like if Evander Holyfield was made up entirely of Holyfields in the audience. <laughs> it was an sure. auditorium of Holyfields watching one Holyfield. Yeah. Evander Holyfield fighting. I, I, Holyfield I, Tyson I, I, was what I meant to I, say. I get it. I, how do you feel about the look of this scene? You um, know, it's like... You you know how it rained all the time? More rain. You know how it was really green? Greener. Like yeah, you know how it was like you know so so what do you like about this movie? I'm genuinely know. interested. It's weird. Maybe it was just my expectations were so low, but yeah, I like sure. I found this one easier to watch and I found it more emotionally fulfilling, I guess. Yeah. The the Neo arc is good. I mean, I think this fight's okay. I like that it's not him fighting all of them. I do like that it's one on one. Yeah, I mean, the fight, like everything in this movie, maybe lasts a couple minutes too long. It's basically just them punching each other and, like, they're equally strong. Pretty and so flubbery, they, too. 
Yeah. I think it mostly avoids the flubbery until a final moment where Neo's like fist, like in like slow-mo punches him in the jaw (laughs) and they just turn into cartoons when that happens. And it feels like they did that just to be like, let's see if we can do this. And like technologically, if we can pull it off. They were, you know, they were 70% there, but they couldn't do it. (laughs) Than anyone had gotten yet. But it feels like they did that just to break the barrier, you know? I know. And it's also like after five minutes of fighting. So you're like this. I think there's also this idea because Smith says to you, like, why do you keep fighting me? Like, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. So you need, I guess, a little bit of a, a drag out. Neil keeps standing back up. He's like a standing man from yeah. uh, uh, Egregious Spies. Yeah. Vulture Music or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, so Neo's been Academy Award winning Breaking Spies. Great movie. Supporting actor Mark Bryan 2016. 2015. Well, I oh, mean, he won the in 2016, 2016 Academy Award. So Neo he stands back up. Yeah. Smith. No. Smith defeats Neo, technically. Uh, Smith, kind of. Smith turns Neo into a Smith, and then Neo's like, nope, and then blows everyone. There's this line where Neo says, because I choose to, and I think the, the uh, implication here is that Neo is letting, he chooses to let Smith take him over rather right. than resisting him, and yeah. that's what... Uh, you know, you know, fuck Smith over. Yeah. I do like Hugo Weaving's line where he's like, "Finally, I did it. Is it over?" Yeah. And then they all start to blow up, and he's like, eh, "It's not fair." Yeah. I like, I like, I think he's good. I like Hugo Weaving. Yeah, but he's just been so sidelined for a lot of this movie. You he, know? Yeah, he's yeah. not in it at all. To build up to Beginning this like final end. battle of like this is Luke versus Darth. You know, and it's like. You know, as they did in Reloaded, they the Wachowskis subvert a lot, and sometimes it works better than it doesn't, and sometimes it doesn't work very well. I think both these movies have like a a little bit of a like a um, robbing Peter to pay Paul thing. You yeah, know, yeah. There were so many things they wanted to pull off that they had to take away from other things. I mean, here's oh God, here's the thing I do like about this movie. I actually think this film flows better like cinematically. Yeah, I, I get I, you. I get I, you. I think Reloaded is so overstuffed. That it feels like a little coveragey to me. It feels a little less precise. You know, we like talk a lot about like the language of cinema. Yeah. But I do think there's this sort of like music to movies because yeah. movies are like, you know, I think we both agree are the best art form because it combines everything. Right. Absolutely. Music, visuals, performance, right. like, you know, right. movement. Yeah. Right. And I, I will refer to like the music of movies in the way that it's sort of like if you're listening to a song, you don't really try to pick out those separate instruments. You know, it just feels like one thing. It feels gotcha. like that sound is what should have existed. Yeah. And Reloaded feels a little clunky to me. Like, I'm like, that's an oboe. That's a violin. Even if I like some of the things that are being played, I I'm recognizing the separate yeah. pieces in the orchestra. And this one has a sort of fluidity to it, a yeah. nice sort of rhythm to it. Yeah. I think the um, you know, it's, it's a lot cleaner uh-huh. visually. It's a lot more practical. There's a lot less CGI in this movie. Until we get to the end... Yeah. There's a lot of practical sets because they're in Zion of like them being in the inside of ships there's and rooms. A lot, there's a lot of CGI in this movie, though, because all the machine stuff is CGI. Two felt like it had more. It also had more CGI bodies and stuff. You, you know? think, yeah. I mean, you're thinking of where it eats more. The seams show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's more sort of like dialogue character moment scenes in this because a lot of Reloaded are sort of these like, um, you know, these intellectual debates. And when you have characters, you know, uh, having it, emotional exchanges and actors are able to play off each other in that sort of way, it, it, it yeah. leads to that sort of music of it. I don't know if I can really rationalize why I like this one more or less. They're honestly pretty close for me right now. I've heard there are a lot of people who think one and the other. It's not I don't think it's a yeah. settled debate. 
But I just think this I like is, the other one because it's less, it's more illogical and more machine-like, and that's what I like about these movies. Yeah, I think it's a little more cohesive as a film, but I, I almost look at the two now as like alternate reality versions because they each sort of have their ending. I mean, if you imagine that Reloaded ends after the architect scene, right? It's like that's that could be the end of the Matrix saga. It's just him realizing this is going to happen over and over again, and he saves Trinity, and that's you know, it's it's sort of a bleak ending of like, well, now this matters. Or it can be the film where it's all about him fighting Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith, Agent Smith, and it's like a, a shadow thing, and that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It just feels like these are uh, alternate tracks. I don't know. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting franchise. It is. Now I have a question for you. Yeah. What happens at the end of this movie? Um. Because I feel like most people couldn't answer that question. Like, what is it? Neo's achievement. Neo explodes everything, and then he's dead, and then the. The Oracle and the little girl. Sati, yes. Sit on a bench. The, the Matrix reboots. Yeah. You see the cat from the first movie. Right. Uh, re, you know, and that, that suggests like the Matrix is, and you see literally the code like rewrite itself to oh, be an like, empty city. Sati's lying on the sidewalk like she's dead and then the cat and she, glitches and she comes back to life mm-hmm. and she goes and sits on a bench and there's a sunrise. You also see the Oracle's body in the crater where Smith was. So, right, like, right, because that was the, or- he, the, the Oracle. That's, uh, the Smith that Neo fights is the Oracle Smith. Is the Smith. Oracle Smith, right. And then he has all these lines about like I've seen it, I'm gonna beat you, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. And then uh, they sit on a bench and they look at a sunrise, and she goes, uh, "What do you think of it?" And the oracle's like, "It's very pretty," implying that what's her name, Sati? Sati. Sati yes. made the made the sunrise, mm-hmm. even though she previously had no purpose. And then they, she says, "I made it for Neo. Do you think he's gonna come back?" And uh, so you're forgetting something. She says, "I think he will." Yeah, she says he might. What yeah. am I forgetting? Who else is in this final scene? Sarah. No. Well, yeah, he's there. Oracle, Seraph, Sati. Who? The architect. Oh, right. Yeah. He shows up. Yeah, and he's like... And he says to the Oracle, you've played a dangerous game, uh-huh. which is sort of implying, you know, the dangerous game being what she did with the one pushing him towards making the other choice. Yeah. And also, I think, letting Smith absorb her. Yeah. Which was like a, you know, obviously was letting, giving him the keys to the castle. Yeah. And she's like, you know, whatever, change is always dangerous, whatever. And then, you know, what the conversation they have is like the new world of the Matrix is if you don't want to be in the Matrix, you're not in the Matrix. That's it's all the about piece, choice. That's been the piece that's been struck. Everything's right. about choice. Rather yeah. than having to rescue people in this sort of eternal conflict, it's yeah. going to be like if you want to be in the Matrix, you can be in the Matrix. Because these movies are always kind of saying, like, they, they get that, like, maybe you want to be in the Matrix. Matrix is much easier. Yeah, Cypher is not, like, a classic villain because he want like, in the first movie. Because no. just you know, his, his idea that maybe he just doesn't want to, like, drink piss water yeah, and, like, wear a, a dirty steak. sweater. Yeah. Is like, is like, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's like, instead of this eternal struggle, like, why don't we just have it both ways? Right. You get your power. They get their life. Yeah, and people who aren't dissatisfied with that can maybe not do it. Yeah, so that's, so that's the movie. I got to explain it. it, it you can take it from that what you will. Look, I'm but gonna, there's a real arc. I I think I'm going to keep shooting on it over mm-hmm. the rest of the series. I bought the Blu-ray box set that has all you'll, these discs. We'll of talk about that. Stuff. So we'll get back around to that in the bonuses next week. We'll be back with uh, Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. Uh, guest to be determined, but it might be. Plural guests. Might be, might not be, might Who be knows? one guest. Might be we'll, nobody. We'll probably have we a don't guest. Know. Might be nobody. We've had a lot of people want to talk about this film because it's a film that draws uh, strong emotions. But um, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, uh, no yeah. time for Burger Report today. No time ah, damn it. for reading reviews. Uh, the studio's double booked, so we have to get out of here right now. Yeah. 
Uh, and as always, just just keep on making those, those sunrises. Don't do another thing like you did last time. Let's start. Let's start. I'm the worried episode. about that. Okay. Let's let's start the episode. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. Thank <laughs> you.